so today, I'm, I'm excited for this too. One of, one of the things kind of with, with the, the reset is uh, a return to at times when you have people who are sick and hurting, we've got the kids in with us, right? So we try to build in all family worship services. Um, and, and it's really cool because it's cool to have the kids in here with us. Now, if you, don't, if you didn't bring kids with you, Here's the appropriate thing. If there's a kid around you that's, or a baby that's making noises, um, if you really feel like you need to do something, help the parent instead of, you know, like point. So if your kids want to talk or dance, that's great. I might use it in the sermon because they're a really important part of the church. And, and so I'm glad that they're here. We're going to continue on in, in the book we call First John. But let me just pray before we jump in and we'll, and we'll go. Lord, uh, all the preparation, all the conversations, every prayer, I just hand it back to you now, that you would return it with your uh, truth, with your guidance on what you would love me to share and have a conversation with the people that are here today, Lord, and everyone who's online, who wasn't able to make it today, that we would uh, learn from you and follow you, be, be students, be disciples, be apprentices, of you. And we thank you for our brother John, who learned from you, who walked this out and then wrote a letter to Christians that we can glean information and that your spirit can take and invest in our hearts. So I pray that you would do that today. Jesus, I pray that in your name and your power. Amen. So we haven't taken a small amount of time to talk about love, okay? We are going through a letter, and John. This is John that walked with Jesus. He's writing in the first century to believers. And so I believe, and the reason why I'm presenting this to you is because I believe this is rich. Uh, think about it. So the, the church, if you will, the followers of a Christ have been around for less than 100 years, but at this point in time when this letter is written. However, they've been around long enough that they've lost track of what's true. They've lost track of what makes sense. And I get that because when I look at the world around me, even myself, we tend to do so many things that make absolutely no sense. It's like the parent who smacks their kids and say, don't hit your brother, right? We do that. We know it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. It's a foolish thing to do. However, your parents did it. Your parents' parents did it. You did it to your kids, and your kids will probably do it to their kids too. So we lose track of what makes sense and what and what's honest and true, and so we need great reminders. So that's why we've parked on this love thing. Well, John is not letting you off the hook today. We're going to continue to talk about another aspect of love. So grab your Bibles. I'll have the scriptures up here, because these five verses actually build upon one another. So we'll have that up there, but please take a look at it for yourself, and, and we'll just jump right in, okay? Verse 1, 1 John 5, verse 1 says... Everyone who believes, okay, that word means to trust or put their confidence in. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, I capitalize the Christ, why? What's that mean? What's the Christ? The Messiah, right? What does the Messiah do? What's that? He saves. That's it. If you were alive at this point in time, good answer, by the way. Okay, and... um. If you were alive at this point in time, you would say, the world sucks, when is the Messiah going to come, right? It's like right now, we say, the world sucks, when's Jesus coming back on a cloud, right? Or, 
uh, the world sucks, maybe we can find a person to make it better. Those, those are the two options we have, right, that we're hoping for. So they were waiting for this Messiah. It means the anointed one of God, the one that God promised to come back and save them. So if you put your confidence, if you put your trust in the fact that Jesus came and he is the thing, the one, the power that will save you and rescue you, okay, that's you, everyone who believes that has been born of God. Well, the question, right, the question, Rick, is like, well, I was already born from my mom. How could I be born of God? Should I be born, go back and be a baby again? Well, what he's talking about is to be reborn or regenerated. Big fancy, right, church words. You're either regenerated, you've been reborn, recreated, or you're degenerate. You're not reborn, right? This is what happens of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Okay. So that, there's a lot in this verse 1. So let's, let's camp out here for a little while. Um. So it's saying that we must place our confidence. See, so we have so many hijacked words, like I believe or I have faith. And we've used those so much. But really, they've, they've been kind of hijacked and they've been given different meanings than what we're reading here. So really what it's saying is like, do you, do you have your confidence in Jesus? Do you have your confidence in God? So to place your confidence or your faith or to believe, it's this idea that we place our confidence, our hopes, even our needs and our desires. Like before Jesus. And that Jesus is our master. Yes, he's the boss, right? He's in control. But he also loves us. And as a matter of fact, why he came was to rescue you and I. And we don't quite get it because we don't realize in how much peril we are in and how much we needed a rescue. If there was a fireman who helped, right, to rescue you from the floodwaters, if you were an Arizona dumb driver and you drove through the wash, right, the guy on the helicopter, the fireman, you would be very grateful for them because they rescued your physicality, but you forget that that Christ came to rescue you in every way, which should create gratefulness in you which is all what John's been talking about, is you should be so grateful that you should share that with people around you. Okay? When we do this, it says, God gives us a new life through the Holy Spirit and new hope. That's what this regeneration means. That's what this rebirth means. I mean, who wouldn't love to start again? And, and right now, especially, like, we need hope. You need fresh starts. Like, anyone who's walked this life, even those people who are in high school now or middle school, there's already been things that have happened that you wish you could go back and maybe do differently. Or you're about to do things that in the future, you're going to wish you could go back and do differently. And, and so Christ gives us a, a new birth, a new, a new life, a, a rebirth. This is, this is back to basics, guys. And that's what this reset's about. That's why we can be kind of grateful, like even though the past couple of years have been just crazy, it can call us back to the core truths of what we believe. It can call us back to the basics, the foundation of who it is that we are. And if we can get back to that, then the world around us is going to see that we have something to offer them that they desperately need right now. 
that money can't do and politics can't do and business and commerce can't do and Amazon can't do and Apple can't do and Tesla can't do, right? So I, I just, I've got to spend some time here, okay? And I'm glad you kids are in here with me, okay? So we were before Christ. Get this, we were physically alive. You get that? We're physically alive. If you're here, you're hearing me. If you're on the internet, you have a pulse. You technically have what it takes, right? The breath, you're physically alive. However, you were spiritually dead. How does that make sense? I know it's beyond my mind, okay? It's beyond my mind, but I I get this. Um. We were spiritually dead because spiritually we were no longer connected to God, which was the source of life in our spirit. So every man and woman, this is a different sermon, right? We're made up of, where there's physical means, there is is our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, which are somewhere in the middle, and then there's the spiritual breath of God that was breathed into us when we became alive and and that becomes eternal. And as our our body returns to the dust from which it came, our spirit returns to the spiritual realm from which it came. The question to be answered is where will your spirit exist once your body goes away? So our spirit was heading towards destruction and our physical being was alive. So if that's the case, what did you count on? If your spirit's dying and your your body was alive, what did you count on? Your body, right? We can use a little logic and reason here. So you wanted to do whatever it took for your physicalness to be okay. Because spiritually, you felt dead. You were disconnected from the source. You were drying on the vine, as it were. But our rebirth, get this, okay? Our rebirth means that we were spiritually reborn. Say good news. That's good news, Will. That's good news, right? Spiritually reborn. I'm I'm reconnected to the source, and now the battle of my life is to stay connected to the source. Okay, here's the bad news. Say bad news with me so that you make sure you're awake. Bad news is you've got to grow back up spiritually. No different than our little brothers and sisters here who, you know, some of them are still wearing diapers. They don't know how to use the bathroom on their own, okay? And some of us are getting close to not being able to use the bathroom on our own again. So it comes full circle, right? But God in his mercy and his goodness, he gave you and I, whether it came at 8 or 85, new spiritual birth. And this new spiritual birth is good news, but the bad news is you better grow up spiritually. Okay? So if you do have your confidence in Christ, which I hope that you do, or I hope that you're getting close to saying, I'm in. If you have that rebirth, that's the good news. You get spiritually reborn. Bad news or hurtful news is still good. You're going to have to grow up, and it's going to hurt, right? Like, guys, the next 10 years is going to hurt and be awesome when you're a teenager, like making all those life decisions, right? But we know that it's good, but it's going to be hard at times. Fair enough? Now, if I was to spiritually grow up, it's going to hurt, and it's going to be hard at times, but it's good. But here's the bad news. Your physical, your physicality didn't change at all. Your flesh is still your flesh. It's still going to pull at you. And your body, although it's still alive, is dying. And so we see this, and then I bring this loving thing to you. 
right? And you, you feel like you have to be something. But what I've presented to you the past few weeks is like, you know what? You've got to consider other people before yourself and love them. Okay, even my enemies? Yes, even my enemies. What about evil in the world? Well, it's not your job to eradicate evil from the world, but it is your job to stand up to it and not go with it. How does that work? Well, be loving. Okay, well, that means I'm always nice. No, sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's you say things that stings because you don't rejoice in lies. You rejoice in truth. You don't celebrate wrongdoing. You rejoice in right doing. And it is impossible to get that 100% all the time. But what we've lost along the way is the fact that you and I, in our choosing, we, we have a goal in mind. There's nothing wrong with my intentions to be, to do right. A Christian should intend to do right and to be loving. But somewhere along the way, it's kind of like, if I can't do it 100%, then I'm just going to pretend it doesn't matter. But we have these things, spiritual discipline, spiritual formation, where our spirit, which is reborn, must grow up. That's another sermon too, okay? So the question I have for you then from verse 1 alone leads to this. Have you been reborn of God? It's a fair question. So there's this metaphor of being born, right? I have three kids, Johnny, Tyler, and Jordan. They were born of Brandy and I. They came from us. They share our genetic makeup. And so then we've taken responsibility to help them grow up. And so if you've been reborn of God, you become his children. That's what the the Bible tells us. So we have the right then to be children of God. So it could be the same question. Have you been reborn of God or are you a child of God? Are you a regenerated one is another way of asking the question. Well, that's a good question. It's a good question. And I think, it's like, Lord, what, what could it be? You could have people who are like, yes, I am, and it's true. This is based on the, the counsel of Scripture. We see that in a fellowship of people. I mean, you get this. Jesus taught to thousands, and they said, I'm in. And then when he died, there was like a hundred and something that were in. So not everyone who says, I'm in, is in. So you've got the people who are like, yes. I've been this, I am this, I'm his, and they mean it. There's those who are saying, yes, but they're not in. And then there's those who are saying, I don't know. And then there's those that are saying, no way, right? So, so you've got the whole, the whole gamut, and I'm cool with you, any of you being here. That's the point of this, right? I hope that the Holy Spirit, that God opens your eyes to it, and you're like one day like, oh, Will, I want in. I want in. But I think some of this, we've got to tell you what you're signing up for. I've been a coach for a while. I love coaching. I was thinking about this week. It takes me back to the first year I coached soccer. I called to the league and I said, hey, I heard four-year-olds can play soccer. My oldest son is going to be four, but it's after the season starts. And I'd like to coach. And when they heard you'd like to coach, they're like, I don't care if your son's one, he can play, right? (laughs) So they're like, yes. So I show up. We got like four and five-year-olds, five of them. They play three versus three. By game two, I had three players. One of them was my three-year-old son, right, who was just a poor kid, right, he's lost out there um, that first season. What I realized is just because they signed up, it didn't mean they were 
willing to put in the work to be part of the team. Now, in that environment, the entry was so easy. It was a registration fee and paperwork. But I think in in churches, if we don't tell you, those who are teaching the Bible, this is what it means to be a regenerated son or daughter of God. Then you don't even know what you're signing up for, which is what Jesus would deliver a message. Paul would deliver 2,000 were added to the faith that day. How many stayed? Not all of them, right? Like, how does that work? Well, what do you mean we could lose our salvation? That's not what I'm saying. You're trying to put God in the box, so like, take your box apart for a second. All you should be considering is you right now. And God, I know it sounds selfish, but are you saved? Okay? Are you regenerated? Because until that happens, you will not be loving and you won't be anything that helps any of us. So here's who the regenerated ones are, according to John. They have to love the Father. And then they have to love whoever's been born of the Father. And this is kind of a different thing because it's very unpopular in our society. That sounds like a cult, right? Like, you got to love the people on the inside, right? Only, like, you're you're in with God, right? So I'm loving you. But Jesus has almost given us another impossible command without his help. He's like, you've got to show special preference and love to those who are the brothers and sisters in Christ. Loving God is loving them. And it makes sense because our eyes have been opened to the same thing. And we're on the same mission. But then at the same time, Jesus threw a wrench in all that with, with stories like the, great, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where they wanted an out. Who's my neighbor? It's got to just be my people, right? No. The neighbor was all of them, right? Anyone who would help them were the neighbors. So you as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ, as a student of Christ, as a regenerated son and daughter of Christ, you've got to love your brothers and sisters in such a special way because you're going to live eternity with them. But then you've also got to love your neighbor. Can I get a list for how you do that? There isn't. There isn't. Okay, so that's verse 1, right? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born or regenerated of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves who's ever been born to them. So that's what John keeps hitting on. Oh, I love my brother. Or no, you know, do you really? Yeah. Well, I love God. Do you really? Well, how do you know that you love God? When you love your brother and sister. It's like a parent, right? What can I get you for Father's Day? Give your brother a hug. If a parent said that, it's similar to that. It's an imperfect analogy. I get that, but... Then John goes on in verse 2. So now he's dropped this bomb. Like, you want to, I love God, I love God, I love God. How do you say you love God? Right, Jim, we were just talking about this. How can you say that you love God and then you treat me like trash? As your brother and your sister. If you, if you have no care for me, if you treat me with complete indifference, that is not loving God. If it was, God would just have us all leave society and live in the woods. You get that? We just have camps. And we wait for Jesus to come back or for us to die because what's the point, right? As long as I'm good, I'm loving God, who cares about everyone else? And you guys sure get in the way of me loving God, to be honest with you, right? That's, that's the view of some, not true. Verse 2, by this we know, okay, wait a second, when we hear this, when we hear this, we better stop a second and listen to what comes next. By this we know that we love the children of God. 
Okay, you guys following me? This is going to step, it's going to be a progression. You want to love God? Yes, I do. Love, love the children of God. Okay. Now he's like, you want to know how to love the children of God? Yes, yes, because if I love the children of God, I love God. You guys with me? Did I lose you yet? Okay. Did you get enough caffeine? If we love God, we love the children of God. And then it, he says in verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. Well, that's clear, right? So if I love God, then I love the children of God. So Dante, how do I love God? Well, I love the children of God. How do I love the children of God? Well, I love God. What? What? And I obey his commandments. Oh, now, now we're getting to somewhere we don't like, right? What's commandments? Commandments feels like rules. So don't feel so bad, because already in the first century, things got so sideways because everyone did what we just did. Can you give me a list of rules on how to love people? It just doesn't work. If you look at the history of the people of God, right, as recorded in the Old Testament, you see things where it's like, hey, go into that camp and kill all of them, and that would be loving. And then you see things like, like forgiving somebody, like a father who would forgive his son for spoiling his heritage. You look at the scripture, you see, you know, if you get smacked, you turn the other cheek. But then at the same time, you see a God who would strike down a nation. So, and all of those things are loving. And you see Jesus who would comfort a woman caught in adultery, but then at the same time, throw the church tables over. And all of that is loving. Any list I give you would suck and be imperfect, and then that becomes rules. So we see the word commandments, and we think rules. So then, you know, wrongly so, we say, if you love God, you're going to keep his rules. It's, it's kind of true, but that's not the right language for it, to be honest with you. So if we love God, we love the people around him. Well, how do we love the people around him? Because it's a fair question you ask, like, what would love ask me to do? What would love require me to do? What would love command me to do? What is the loving thing to do right now? These are fair questions, but it's very difficult. And the target is moving, depending on the scenario and the circumstance. And you can hopefully, depending on how much you've spiritually grown, discern that a little better. But it's going to be imperfect in your humanity. Does that make sense? So how we love the children of God is we obey God's commandments. It's a little weird there, Sue, right? Okay. For this is the love of God, verse 3. We keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. So now, so far, we have this loving God as like this two pieces. It's keeping his commandments, and it's loving his people. And now he's saying these commandments that we're given, they shouldn't be burdensome. So to keep his commandments, really the word here, guys, that we're using commandments, it's probably the best translation we have. But really what it means is this directions, maybe, more than commands. It's his directions because it's not just an empty command. It's a direction for how to live. 
So it's a, a, the word precept or a direction given by someone in authority. Christians come to a place where they realize they don't have the answers, but God does. And so if they want the answers, they go to God. And this is very different. Because we have the Ten Commandments, you have the, the laws, the Mosaic Law, and, and you might look at that. And, and ultimately what's happening here is, is rules aren't always a bad thing. You get that? Here's what humans have observed. We've observed in our simple minds. We've observed that rules are, are needed at times so that you're all on the same page. Fair enough? And you don't have chaos or anarchy. However, when you take rules and you accompany them with relationship, they become directions. When you take rules and there's no relationship, it only leads to one thing, and it's another R word, rebellion. So for us to look at this to say God's giving us rules without this relationship is only going to lead to one thing, and that's rebellion. I'm not going to do what you told me to do. So what God's offering us is saying, you love me? Yeah, what Jesus told people, right? Do you love me? Yeah, then keep my directions. Verse 4 goes on to say, For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So if you kind of look back at that, he's given us these directions, these commands. Ultimately, what you guys are signing up for when you go to be a Christian is that you're going to be a student, an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus. And that involves many things. That involves um, acting like him, talking and walking like him, learning from him, adopting his ways of life, adopting his views. And we've lost that because we don't have that. We don't have that kind of mentorship in our culture, but they did. We don't, well, you can't even be my boss. You can't tell me what to do. We think all authority should be rebelled against, right? And every boss we complain about and every leader we make fun of. We keep his commandments because we love him. And somehow by keeping his commandments, by following his directions, we know how to love other people. And then everyone who's been born of him overcomes the world. This is, this is getting convoluted, right? I'm going to bring it back home, hopefully. Okay, we'll see. Uh, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. We like that phrase, right? Oh, yeah. Overcoming the world, we love that phrase. Let me step back here. If I say overcome the world, what do you think? I'm sorry? Conquer, Conquer, right? What's the world? What is it? Someone say? The world? So the world, right, there could be a lot of good answers here. What we're not talking about is the planet, okay? We are, we are talking, the word here, we've talked about this before, is cosmos, and it has to do with systems of the world. So we would love, as believers, here's what you're offered, okay? What you have to do is follow Christ's direction and follow him. What you get is you get to overcome the world because he overcame the world. What it means is you get to overcome the systems of the world, 
This is good news. Like, this is all the wrong that's in the world. And when you see this, right, you see, you see political systems that are corrupt. You see, I mean, ultimately, guys, this is not to be negative, but you don't win this game. If you think a career in money is the answer, watch everyone who's got a lot of money. What the common thread there is there's never enough. They always want more and it doesn't create happiness. If you're single and you hit like 25, what happens? The world around you is like, why aren't you married, right? Right? But then you get married when you're 20 and then they look at you like you have cancer. Okay? Then you have kids when you're young and you're working so hard and you're not patient, but you have energy. And then you have kids when you're older and you're more patient, but you don't have energy and you're tired. And when you go to high school, your kids are like, is this your grandpa? No, it's my dad, right? So you can't win at that. Men, if we stay single, then we don't have the, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, the limitations that are there for to be a good husband and father, right, of your life. But you end up being odd. Odd, you kind of odd, right? Like, if you've never been married a guy, no offense, but you haven't had to give up everything that you've wanted. And, and it's like being an only kid. It's harder to learn to not be selfish when life doesn't force you to not be selfish. Make sense? That's why you live alone long enough, you end up getting pets or something so you can live outside yourself. You can't win, right? You eat healthy and then you get hit by a car, right? You just, you're not going to win this game alone. You, you were young and foolish, and then one day you wake up, and then everyone around you is like, you're an old now. I mean, come on. In our congregation, this isn't even really like culturally old people. We've got like seven knee replacements in the last year. We've got like five people with back surgeries going on right now. It's ridiculous, and all these people stepped into it one day, dancing the jig or whatever, the Dougie or whatever generation they dance, the Macarena, whatever it is. And the next minute, ah, oh, my back, you, you cannot win. You cannot win in every one of the world's systems, whether they're good or bad. There's never enough money, never enough fame, never enough sex, right? Never a big enough family. You can't win. There's only one way to overcome the systems of the world. And what John is trying to tell us is the only way you overcome the systems of the world is faith confidence in Christ. Because here's what confidence in Christ does. This is how we get victory. So I got married when I was 20. Exactly what God wanted me to do. I went to ASU. It's a big party school. I worked at Safeway. I used to stack the cases of beer on the six-wheel carts, put them in people's trucks so they could go have a good time. And then when I left, I got in a, in a station wagon whose power steering was squeaking as I rode through ASU, 20 years old and married, going bald, okay? People thought I had cancer, but it was perfect for me. It was perfect for me, because guess what? Now I'm here with you, and I've got these three, and I have their mom. Yeah. And I had really goofy hair. And then I wanted to keep it, but in my family, the men didn't keep it. I didn't keep it, but it's perfect for me. And this is the fight for me to believe and put my confidence in that. I went to school. I have an MBA. Now I'm a pastor, but it's, it's perfect for me. 
Because all these things I prayed a lot about and God directed me. And if I can continue to live in that confidence, I live in America. In 2021, that's the right year, right? 2021. And the, the culture has gone away from like whatever I believe to be true, but it's perfect for me. And I don't even watch the news, so all the Christians who watch the news more than read the Bible and bring it to me, they're mad at me because I won't preach the news. But it's perfect for me because I trust God. At this time, you need somebody telling you, just trust God. You want to overcome the world. You don't change the world systems. You overcome them. Like Jesus, he didn't change it. He didn't change Judaism. He didn't overthrow Rome. As a matter of fact, he left and a bunch of his followers got burnt alive, right, and killed and put in arenas to be eaten by lions and other animals. And like, and that was loving? No, not really. It is. It is. It is because he had to bring to fruition the plan in you and I. Those who've been regenerated, even though we don't always get it, at least our mind's open to that God gets it and he's in control. So we put our confidence in Jesus. And in order to show that, what we do is we actually follow his directions. Because what we begin to believe is Jesus knows a better way. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Why do, I, why do people want money? Because they think it's life. Why do they want fame? Because they think it's life. Why do they want to be good looking and in shape? Because they think it's life. Why do they want approval? Because it feels like life. Like, that's what we're going for. We're desperate and starving for life. And Jesus is like, I'm going to show you how to go there and how to get life. And if you believe me, if you put your confidence in me, you're going you're gonna to do what I ask you to do. And if you do what I ask you to do, here's what's going to happen. You're going to overcome the world. You're going to overcome the world. That's what it was meant to be. And then guess what happens? All the other things, it's really crazy how that happens. You start overcoming the world, and the world around you sees that you're overcoming the world, they would long to overcome the world. I mean, everyone's trying to climb beyond the world systems. It's what they fed us in college. It's like this elitist idea. There's going to be like, I mean, they didn't use these words, but now looking back, you begin to see like, you're smart, you're good at this, and you're good with people. Let me show you the way through the world system so you can be above them. That's what it is. Whatever it is, like, you know, you do sports. You want to be the professional. You're like the 1%, man. You're better than every kid who dreamed of playing that. You're stronger and you're faster. I went to law school. Yeah, well, then you're better than everyone. No, this is, everyone wants to be better. Like, I'm more beautiful. I'm smarter. Like, I was weird, so I just got smarter. And I read more books and I use more big words, right? Or I'm more giving or, like, I didn't have all of that, so I've learned this. And all I'm trying to do is overcome the world by going through it. And Jesus, our Lord, our rabbi, is like, let me show you a different way. But if you really want to do this, you're going to have to follow my directions. It's it's not rules without relationship. It's direction from a higher being. Directions 
from a higher being, overcoming the world. So this is what I present to you, man. Those people who are angry and frustrated because they know they don't want the world, good news. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to overcome it. Or you're not supposed to, like, conquer it. You're, gonna, you're really going to overcome. You're going to, Jesus is going to conquer it. He's going to overcome it, and you're just going to follow him. He's going to eradicate evil in its time. You're just not going to fall for evil. You're not going to celebrate with it. You're not going to join it. If you are joining the world, then I hope today is the day that you begin to open your eyes, like I have been, and say, I don't want to go that way. I want the life. Verse 5, so who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You want to overcome the world? You want to overcome what's going on that you don't like? I mean, you can take those social justice issues. And believe me, I think you guys are misreading what I'm saying. There's not a lot of, a lot of things are super important, okay? Christians, they've got to be out there. They've got to own businesses, right? They've got to um, please have some Christians own restaurants so you can feel comfortable when you go in there. Please have some Christian attorneys. Please have some Christians who do a job as a doctor. Please have Christian politicians. Please have... Christians who are in the news media. Please have Christians that make movies. Please have Christians that serve their coffee or teach our kids at school. Please call Christians to do those things. But the people of God, the church, it doesn't put its hope on their ability to change the world in its entirety. The hope is this, in all of those pockets and spheres of influence, those people with Christ will overcome the world through that system. So you're a doctor and you have new medical systems you don't like. Could you still help people? Yeah. Is it frustrating? Sure. You're an attorney, you work for a law office, do you think overcharges people? Is there a way to do that to honor God and overcome? Sure. You hate abortion. Are there places where you can go help women so they don't have to make that choice? Yeah. You really believe that you can change the government, then you could run. You're not going to change it, but you can overcome it, right? You can be somebody there speaking truth, right? You can do this in your living room by loving it. You think marriages are falling apart? You can invest in other people's marriage. You're worried about the homeless, then you can help with that. Like, Christians can do that, but not to change the world, but to overcome it. So then how then, it comes back, I'm bringing it back home, how then do we love our brothers and sisters? Because that's the question. Will you keep harping on it, but I can't see how I could always be nice when people are acting crazy. How do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ as well as our neighbors in such a way that people see Jesus is good and awesome? Like, I haven't been doing this. Gosh, that's the conviction of this. Like, you can paint a thousand buildings. You can have 400 evangelist systems. You can have the best music ever, the greatest youth camps ever, and you will never change somebody's heart or their life. That's the Holy Spirit's business. All that I do is be obedient to the directions given by God and trust Him. And then if my life would glow, man, if my life would glow, the people hopefully would see something. And they would say, what is it, man? Like, I'm... I'm angry and freaking out every day, and you're not. But here's what they see. I'm angry and freaking out every day, just like them. Only I waste my Sundays at church. Right? Isn't that what they see? 
Like, just last night, this is my life, okay? I'm watching a football game. I love sports. Not like I love my wife, but I love, right? The English language sucks. I like them a lot, okay? I made it all the way to the third quarter before the people next to me realized I was a pastor. It's the worst when someone finds out you're a pastor. Don't lie, but maybe you're somewhere with me sometime and you can see this happen. It's the funniest thing. Like, oh, geez. They're like, oh, sorry for our language. I looked at them and I said, well, you'll have to forgive me if I say something too. That's what I said to them. And they, they looked at me and it, but they don't even know what to do with it because the connotation, not that I have a better life, but that their life is better and poor me because like I probably don't ever have a drink or say a bad word or ever get naked with my wife or something like that, right? Like, they think that my life must be really vanilla and stupid. And when they do that, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I love Jesus, you know, and okay, cool. That is cool. But people freak out. But it started a conversation. She goes, there is kind of like a quiet, gentle thing about you. So that makes sense. So I was like, yes, that's what I want to see, Right? That's what I want to see. That's it. Wherever you go, what they want to see is that. Like the world is freaking out, but you are not. How are you doing that? See, the world system itself has come in the name of God, and it's not from God, and it's called you into camps that you don't need to be in, proclaiming things you've got no business proclaiming, dividing people, and making churches shrink. and making more people sort of Christians, you know? And so I'm grateful to meet people, and I get it why they get all uncomfortable when they find out I'm a pastor. And then my job, hopefully, is not to make it worse, right? I think is what, that's what I'm hoping. Like, God, don't make it worse by how I behave, but shine through me in some way. Like, do this. Make, make this life... First of all, make sure you think Jesus is awesome. And then if you do, live like he is. That's what I got to start doing. So we put our confidence in Jesus and we follow his directions. This is how we overcome the world. Wow. How do we love God? We love the people. How do we love the people? We love love God and we keep his commandments, right? We follow his direction. So what you're telling me, God, is if I'm going to love you guys, there's only really one way to do it is follow Jesus' directions. Well, what's that look like? This is not my question. I read this, I'm not exaggerating, three different books this week. I heard two people say this and the things I was listening to and reading. And I don't know where it started, but they said, you know, there's this old saying, like, what would Jesus do? They're like, that's really the wrong question. What you should be asking is, what would Jesus do if he was me? Because the context of Jesus' life that's written around is not your context. It's not your culture, it's not your time, it's not your city, it's not your state. And according to the Bible, those things are all significant. So what you and I, if we want to continue to love God, love ourselves and love our neighbors, right? In the same way, there's only one way to do it, get directions from God. Get directions from the Master, Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Do all the things to foster that connection so when I need to know it, I can ask this question, whatever words I like. What would be the loving thing to do right now? Or, Jesus, what would you do right now if you were me? And I think if we did that one simple thing, that one simple thing, it would be amazing 
Okay, we have to ask the question and then actually respond in obedience to what God's asking us to do. Because the problem is either you've been tasked with truth, you're the truth champion, so you always beat them over the head with truth when it comes to you, and that's the loving thing to do. Not always. Or you're the love champion, I just hug it out. Not always the thing to do. Because you look at the the dynamics of love and the negatives and the positives and the come against and the come towards, right? And the patience and the zeal and all, all the back and forth to be loving is like something I can't explain to you because it's going to look different every time. And so what I have to proclaim to you is you've been reborn and you have a new spiritual life and you should be growing spiritually no matter how biologically old or young you are. And as you grow more, you're going to know the voice of God and his ways more. And as you do that, you're going to be able to hear from him and make less mistakes when you ask this question, what would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if he were me? He might straighten me up. Might straighten me up, maybe. So let, let me put that out there to you. All the things I said, I hope, I hope it makes a case, an impossible case, because we've talked about being loving in principle, and in, that is never the way to do it. Like, love comes from the Father, the Father's love comes from the Spirit, and it overflows out of me. And so there's a lot more to talk about like this. But I'm going to ask the, the praise and worship team to come on up. And we're going to just spend some reflective time as they're playing here in this question. Like, ask this first question. I want, I want to ask, have you ask two questions. One, have I been reborn and regenerated? Okay. There's the first question. Now, depending, remember Choose Your Own Adventure? Do you ever read those books when you were younger? Or you read them to your kids? Okay. So you start with a story, and then you choose A or B, and then the story changes depending on which way you go, right? And along the way. So here's your Choose Your Own Adventure. You ask God, spend time in reflection, Lord, have I been reborn and regenerated you? Have I been spiritually reborn? If the answer is yes, go to page two, which is this. Ask this question. How is, you know, If there's something that's on your heart, ask God, like, okay, Lord, put something on my heart, a way in which I need to learn to be loving like you. Help me to ask this question about that. What would you do if you were me in this situation? Would you confront? Would you hug it out? What would you do? Okay? Now, back to the first question. Have I been reborn, regenerated? Choose your own adventure. If the answer is no, then the question is, like, do you want to be? And then if the answer is no, then sing the songs. And maybe next week, maybe six months from now, maybe six years from now. If the question is yes, go to page four, which is come talk to Will. Let's come talk to Will. Let's pray about it. Does that make sense? Have I been reborn, regenerated? Okay, spend some time with the Lord if it's yes. Ask him where he's working in your life. Because let's start doing that. Let's start doing it. As things reset and reopen, let's go out from here. Let's go out from here and be the light into the world. And let's ask, let's let's just, not that that will always happen because I know our message isn't that popular, but there's got to be some people who need to hear this, who need to have hope, 
and to need to place their hope in the right place. And, and I pray that God's going to put them along your path, okay? So do that work. Ask that question, Lord, have I been reborn, regenerated? If the answer is no, or if the answer is, dang, I thought so, but I think I was told the wrong, then are you ready? And if it's yes, come talk to me. Fair enough? Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your mercy and your goodness. And we just humble ourselves, God, because it doesn't matter how much we study or what words we use. We cannot argue, uh, debate, articulate, and manipulate people into your kingdom. That's really you. And so, Lord, I pray for your will to be done here. We're here. We're in your presence because I know that you're here. And I pray, Lord, that we would come before you with this question. Have we been regenerated and reborn? And if so, guide us on how to, how to live that out. And if not, let's do this. Let's, let's start this anew. Have your way here, Lord. Meet your children where they are. Meet those you've created and loved where they are. And lead them into ways everlasting, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.